Welcome to the Pursuing Life Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Kirsch. Every week, I'll be sitting down with people from the Calvary Church family to hear stories of what God is doing in, around, and through them as they take intentional steps to pursue life in Jesus Christ. We believe that storytelling is powerful. God has made himself known to us through the stories of the Bible. Jesus told parables or small stories to teach kingdom lessons to his followers. And God continues to write stories of his goodness and faithfulness through the lives and experiences of his church, ordinary people just like you and me. Today, we are continuing in our Can You Relate series. Every day, we relate to others in various ways and on various levels, and the Bible has a lot to say about our interactions. So over these next several weeks, our goal is to celebrate the work that God is doing in and through relationships. We'll cover obvious topics like marriage, friendship, and parenting, but we'll also hear stories about singleness, co-working, and how to relate to those of different generations. It's our hope that as you listen to stories of how God is at work in others, that you'll see glimpses of yourself in those stories and that you too will be encouraged to love God by loving those he's placed around you. It's our desire as a church to continue to tell and hear stories that celebrate God's work, and we want to hear your story. If you have a story that you feel the Lord is prompting you to share, you can fill out our story form at calvarychurch.org slash share a story. We would love to celebrate the work that God is doing in and around you. This week's episode is all about discipleship. As a church, one of our current vision initiatives is for everyone to be and make disciples. Sarah and Peter Huang have been investing their lives in discipleship for the last two decades. Today, we get to hear how God has ignited this passion for discipleship within them and how walking alongside others has been a catalyst for growth as they pursue life in Christ. I think you're going to be really inspired by their story, so let's jump right into this conversation with Peter and Sarah. Peter and Sarah, welcome to Pursuing Life. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. This is a privilege, honor. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. So to get started, can you introduce yourselves and tell us what you do at Calvary Church, how long you have been involved here, and a little bit about your family? Uh, My name is Peter. My wife, Sarah, we have two children, Joshua and Emma. Josh will be entering freshman year university this coming fall. Emma will be in eighth grade, homeschooling in Cambodia with us. Uh, we have been um, going to Calvary unofficial, I guess, before we became members in 2014, and then officially membership 2017. I myself have served uh, with the disability ministry at Calvary. I love it. I was scared to begin with because I didn't know what to do, but God really provide Becky and others to walk alongside me, and, and and not only that, whom we serve, just just incredible. I, I love those children. They just reflect God's image, uh, and their weaknesses reflect in, in me too. Like, I'm, I'm just as weak as they are, and how can I help them? I just got to show me how to serve them. Um, beside that, we both are global partners, and uh, we are serving in Cambodia among the unreached, unstated, is that right? Stateless. Stateless. Vietnamese people group. Primarily, our long-term goal is God's willing church planting uh, with them. Uh, but within that, is always begins with relationship. And then through that relationship, we're praying that we lead to discipleship, mentorship, 
and then uh, small villages or small homes, churches. And we don't know um, what God going to do, but we expect that He will. He's the one who will grow them, and we hope that that will spread. Yeah. I really have been, I think, volunteering here and there with the children's ministry and maybe a couple times with nursery. But primarily, since we've been back on the U.S. side, we've been attending the meetings for the global staff. And so every um, Wednesday, every Wednesday. And that's been a blessing. And just to get to know Calvary more, because we haven't been in Calvary for very long, it was really gracious of God to give us this opportunity to get to know a lot more people in Calvary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're talking about discipleship. And before we get in too deep, can you share with us what is discipleship? How, how would you define the word discipleship? And is that a word that can get misconstrued? And if so, how? So the first thing is the ship in discipleship. It's relationship. And it models after the relationship of Jesus to the Father through the Holy Spirit. And that pour into our lives. How can we model after God's model? That's the key. So the other word is disciple. I believe it means student. So studentship. So studentship under a master. So we are under the master of the Lord first, Jesus Christ first, always. So before, so, so it's a relationship between someone who is walking after the Lord Jesus and that person with great responsibilities and humility walking along a young person uh, whether Christian or non-Christian, and, and showing him or her who Christ is. Showing him to her, but also showing what Christ can do for you, but also what Christ has done for me, so that the other person will, will see that reflection of Christ in me and desire, yes, Jesus, I want that. The purpose and, and the angle is that person will be Christ-bearer, his image. That's the angle. And that's what the Father's will is, is that He wants us to be reflecting the image of His Son. So it's a journey. It's a journey. It's a process. It takes a lot of time and um, a lot of sacrifice of time. And and, there will be hills, valleys, mountains, uh, ups and downs. But it's just a wonderful journey when that person you are discipling and you yourself seeing God's work in all of us. So I guess that's the brief version. When I think of discipleship, I immediately think of, obviously, Jesus and his disciples and how Jesus modeled that perfectly. However, in our imperfectness, what does it look like, perhaps practically? And I think it's different from other relationships because it's a relationship that is intentional, um, Mm. that is a committed relationship. I think when Jesus called his disciples, he is committed in their lives and his purpose is to show them the Father's will. And so that's how I would see discipleship relationship between two people is the mentor to the mentee, not master to whatever mm-hmm. or, or teacher to student necessarily, mm-hmm. because we see that with you know Moses and um, Joshua. Joshua, and we see that with Elijah and Elisha and, and all of that. It's a natural relationship of someone taking you under their wing, kind of, and and showing them, you know, how I live. So Paul and Timothy is another one too. Mm-hmm. 
So I think of Paul when he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Mm -hmm. So it's never follow me and do what I do. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 said that very distinctly is as I follow Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, so when Paul says that to the church of Corinth, I think that really must have spoken really loudly to Timothy Mm because that's what he did. Paul Mm -hmm. did for him. Yeah. I think the word discipleship can scare some people. Why do you think that is? And if you agree with me, (laughs) why do you think that is? And why are we scared by that word? I can go first. I Mm -hmm. think because I just said committed. Okay. You know, I'm not sure uh, what most people think, but I think in today's world, the word committed is is scary um, because it often, maybe it's a North American thing, but we think of like, oh, it's you sign up for something and mm. it's stuck in glue and cemented and all of these things. And then also some list of expectations that you have to do and you have to do it this way and how forever long. So it's like, you know, so because of that and also the word disciple, it may seem a little distant. Like, do people even know what that means anymore? Mm. And so oftentimes when I'm talking to people about it, I use the word mentor almost interchangeably because mentor people can understand that. However, I've also gotten to learn that everybody defined it quite differently. And I think I really appreciate you asking what does that look like and how can you define Mm -hmm. it? Because just taking someone under your wing and, and having a good time and going out for activities and things isn't what Jesus did. Right. You know, so if you took the model of Jesus, it's very intentional. It's very different. Although there would be fun. And and, and I'm sure as you see um, the chosen, Jesus had a bunch of good times with his disciples and ups and downs and all sorts in between. But it's always got Jesus teaching. There's very mm-hmm. a lot of teachable moments as he walk alongside them, mm-hmm. as they walk with him and see him follow God the Father. I think the fear is natural, whether it be commitment, whether it be being vulnerable, being transparent, whether it be I don't know even what relationship means with someone because I have never been shown that. So I don't I'm scared. Trust. I have trouble trusting someone and how can I be vulnerable if I don't trust you? So there's layers and barriers to that. However, those things Jesus Christ know of you. And because he knows all that, he comes to you with his grace. And as we disciple someone, we first experience God's grace and then be able to have this relationship because of the outpouring of God's grace into us. And likewise, we, we pour into someone else. And I know know His grace, and I know what sin is, and I know what it can do to me. And if I cannot do this to you, then how, how can I know who Christ is? And how can I continue to encourage you to move forward in Christ, because He loves you so much? So that's that example, being vulnerable and know that, yes, you have all these barriers and you, you fear of discipleship, but just look what Christ is doing. Study and model what Christ has been doing to his disciples. They are troublemakers, you know, they all traitors, they all this, <laughs> but wow, Christ is so faithful. And, and and once, you know, you know that and then you experience Christ's grace in you, he will keep pouring that into your life so that you can pour that into others. Sarah, you mentioned that some people might think that discipleship is a list of expectations and it has to be a certain formula and all of these things. 
Is some of that true or is that a misconception? I'll take my example. God graciously taught me through errors and, and in a sense, successes. So I don't assume whoever it is that either asked me or I asked them or pursue them in that relationship to know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So it to some extent, you do need to address you know, why this is different. I often ask, what is your expectations? You know, because it's good to know. And then I'll let them know kind of things that I'm looking for or in a way expect. But it isn't like a to-do list and a do-not list, you Mm. know. It's rather so that you can both be on the same page. Mm. So I think in in practicality and to to outline a few things would be helpful. But definitely, it shouldn't be a scary thing. The simple thing is, do you have a willingness to learn? Are you willing to open? Be open. Mm -hmm. And I understand totally that any relationship takes time. Like Peter said, trust needs to be established first. But one of the things I think would be really important to say is, this is different because I hope that God will help us both to be vulnerable because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're sisters in Christ, right. you know, and that's where sharpening can happen. You know, iron sharpen iron. And yeah, so yes, there are some things that need to be outlined, but is definitely not a what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Yeah. For me is in the journey that I'm on right now, I'm leaning toward to keep it simple. So for me, when, when I work with these men, the simple thing is, what, what is the angle? What, what is the purpose in this? So for example, several of these men that I work with, the angle is you're rooted in Christ. That's the picture, that's the vision, rooted in Christ. So, so you, need to have, you, you need to have a framework, you need to have a vision. What, what's, what's you setting for? And then to, to start or to journey with them is, is through that relationship with each individual in each context, as they live their life and they share their life to you and you share your life to them, in that particular journey that they're going through, God will show to you how to lead them to Him in that particular context. You need to depend on the Lord's movement and leading so that you can guide that person. Again, the angle is rooted in Christ. So how, how can you speak in this person's situation so that he does not depend on you, but depend on Christ through that? That's really good. I'd like to back up a little bit and ask how your journey with discipleship began. Where was that first introduced in your lives? So for me, the first uh, was informal introduction, meaning no one told me, oh, Pete, you need to be discipled. But rather, after I was born again, the Spirit of God just moved me and gave me this thirst for His Word, thirst for Pete, you need to know how to pray. Pete, you need to know how to serve me. So I, I was involved in the community of believers, stronger believers than, than me because I was a baby Christian. So in that community of, we, we are disciples of Christ. Mm-hmm. I learned so much. How to read the Bible, how to pray, being rebuked at of my pride. So all these little things, factors in really shaped me as a growing disciple for Christ. So you need to have that first informal experience before you can begin disciple someone. And then I'm going to lean this to Sarah to share a, a formal, it's like a light bulb. Just, just <laughs> yeah, so I actually 
you know, I heard these words, disciples, and all these things, but I, I don't think I was really being discipled growing up, even growing up in a family. I guess the closest one would be like my mom for me, and then later on when we were had premarital counseling, we had to. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, and that was the closest model, I guess, of a, a discipler to yeah. me. I, Again, I'm sorry. Yeah, you brought something up. I, I want to add in that. So, so along that, God brought people into my life when, when I was an individual before I, I married mm-hmm. to Sarah. So, for example, Dr. Don and Tabitha. I knew them for over 20 years. Yeah. They were the first couple who mentored me. And beside this couple who did our premarital counseling, we know them before they did the premarital counseling, and we still know them to this day. If wow. we need something, we would go to them. So that, those two couples were, were my and our initial uh, in, the, in our journey of discipleship and yeah. mentorship. Yeah, so we, we had that model to us, uh, sort of informally. Okay. But I'll take you back to after we got married. Um, our journey began maybe a year into our marriage. We both served in the youth ministry, and we kind of just brought what we learned and saw done in the youth ministry. But weren't seeing any fruit. Um, not only that, but like people were leaving and not coming back or not growing spiritually. And we just kind of were lost, at a loss. And so we spent some time in prayer and asking God, quite frankly, what is going on? Like, what are we doing wrong? You know, we bring newness to it and twist and this and that with the programs. But so then... <laughs> You know, I would. Peter said a light bulb, but I think it was more like fireworks came when we we looked at what Jesus did and how he discipled. We're like, whoa, that was simple. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't we think of that? Basically, it's, I shouldn't say the voice of God spoke to us, but I, I believe it was a spirit conviction in our hearts, mm. both of us. Like, look at what Jesus has done with his twelve disciples and many others. Study his way, and this is the model that God has for you. So, so with that spiritual conviction, we like, you know what? We're going to obey God, and, and we're going to follow this, this model that Jesus model after. Basically, it's relationship, and it takes sacrifice, and live in and out with your, your disciples. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it was seeing that experience with the youth group and what was happening that really sort of set you on this path towards what should this really look like? Yeah. So what were things that you were noticing that were working well and that were not working well besides the students that were leaving? I think we hear the word disciples and making disciples and we think of how we did it was, you know, the youth group had what so many people, so many students, and we're trying to reach out and extending ourselves and stretching ourselves really thin, trying to reach each and every one of them. And of course, that didn't work because we were burnt out and we were frustrated. That was why it wasn't working. We were trying to reach the masses, if if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. How did you get started once you kind of had this conviction? What was your next step? So first and foremost, we were once we had sort of that fireworks light bulb moment, we were still clueless. (laughs) So we, of course, spent more time in prayer and asked God, "Okay, obviously we can't reach them all and we can only reach a few. So God, show us, show us who those people are, who are the the few. And God just brought to our mind that 
to look for the few that have the heart to learn. You can't teach those who don't want to be taught. And I think that's kind of what you see with Jesus selecting the few, right? Um, like Peter said, these are, I don't know what the, the world would call them these days, but they're not the elite. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, the fishermen and so forth, the outcasts, the tax collector. So that's why we pray, because we, wouldn't, we didn't want our eyes to be affected by, oh, this person has these talents, this person will has the charisma, and all of these things. We wanted to call on those that God help our eyes to see the potential and the willingness and the heart. We thought of a, a number of them and yeah. then we approach them and we shout to them, hey guys, the programs that we've been going through is not working. We want to let you guys know we're going to start something new, which is follow what Christ is doing in his discipleship. And this is what we plan to do. Will you be willing to consider this and be a part of this group that mm. we will do this, begin this? Yeah. yeah, and we out like right in the beginning asked them to pray because one of the things I think that is really helpful to note is that why do we ask them to pray? So we would ask them to pray, and then a week or two later we'll ask them again, "Did you pray?" For us, that gave us an indication whether or not they did remember and are taking it seriously mm-hmm. and and understand the implication of this type of relationship. It isn't something that you just so for example, if they say, "Oh, I totally forgot." We would question, but if they said, oh, I did, but I, I'm not sure how and what and all these, that's fine. Right. We, we can still continue, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So would you say that that is the first step to starting a discipleship relationship? Yeah, pray, pray, seek the Lord. Well, before all that, we already have a trusting relationship with them. We served with them for a number of years and they know it's, I would say, quite well. And so, so relationships start first. Do you have a relationship with that person? Mm-hmm. So trust established. Yeah. Well, that that is a, so a little different because mm. he already knew them. That was okay. sort of his youth group. I was new to everyone. Oh, okay. So our story is a little different, mm-hmm. I guess. And so I would even touch base with this. Trust is important, but I think one of the things uniqueness for us is that even mm. though they didn't know me, they know Peter and they trust Peter. So that really helped them to sort of, even if they had hesitations or things, they were still suspended because they do trust Peter. And at the same time, I think because their heart was ready, like they really want to learn. This group of people, this group that we had, one really unique part of that and what we love so much is they had a hunger to learn about God and what God wanted in their life. What are the next steps after asking or approaching somebody and asking them to pray through whether this is a relationship they want to enter into? I would say the next step is to tell them what this relationship looks like, that it differs from just gathering and having fun and eating good food. And because that's what we did on a weekly basis, we would invite them to our home. Okay. Why our home? One of the things that we saw was that's what Jesus did. He mm-hmm. either entered in people's homes or he lived with the disciples. Right. So one of that is for them to see the authenticity of our life. Because I think the difference is they get, and this is where I think it can get scary for some people, is that we open our house, we open our heart, our home, and so they get to see the good, the bad, the ugly, uh-huh. and all of that in between. Mm-hmm. We didn't try to hide um, how we 
talk to each other as husband and wife. At that time, we had Joshua. He was a baby, so you know they saw the struggle of a new mom, yeah. <laughs> and um, and all of that. So that's that's kind of why we invited our home. So that so explaining to them what the sort of expectations and the end goal and what may look like would be the next step. Outlining those things with with this discipleship is you need to know where they are on their journey. Mm-hmm. So you'll be facing oh this person has never accepted Christ and then this person is a baby Christian or this person is a mature Christian. So you need to be sensitive and know who and where they are at and and with that then you then you will know how to begin with each and every one of them yeah as the spirit and also the wisdom that god will give you in this sermon as well to to lead each of them for this particular group uh we led seven of them huh? yeah so four young ladies and three young yeah. men okay. so once a week we get together for bible study but the Bible study is not just to to learn, but rather, okay, let's say God mentioned about this specific sin. Where are you in this? Let's talk it out. Or, or we say, oh, you know, I heard you have this relationship with someone this week, and this is very similar. Let's talk about this. Like we we just not like shame someone in front in front of the whole group, but rather, hey, let's talk about this because they all trust one another as well. And and that person would be pouring out like, yes, I need to be challenge and need to change and then then we we would pray with that person and that person would pray to the lord as well so we have many many opportunities like that where where situation arise whether conflicts in the family conflicts at work conflicts in relationship individual sins things like that and we just bring it out to the lord mm-hmm. and then how would the spirit i mean what is christ would like to do in your life right now and how can we love you how can we encourage and support you at, at this moment as well so we journey with them we share with them we, we we help them out with all this and then we also meet one-on-one with them as well uh, during the week we would go out to the movie we'll go out to eat and things like that and, and just just like having fun but then there would be moments of opportunities where hey uh, last week you talked about this how how are you for example like this person he had bitterness towards his father. How's that going? How 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 have you been talking to him? And of course, you know, we, we journey that person, and we know right away in the beginning, his dad would not be very receptive of his grace, mm-hmm. his son's grace. Mm-hmm. But we encourage him, keep forgiving him, keep loving him, keep praying for him, especially specifically pray for his salvation. And and for this particular story, his dad years later came to the Lord. Wow. He he had a very bitterness toward relationship with that in the beginning but be like it start with you you need to forgive your dad ask christ forgiving you because this would be a stumbling block for him to know christ and he was only what 13 13 yeah wow and it was not just bitterness he hated his dad and he had very a lot of reasons to hate his dad he has the right to do that but so i just wanted to add in here that we would from the very beginning tell them this is a space a place and a the time that we have together is a place where you come as you are, where you are. You can be who you are right now, but also become, be open to the Spirit of God because He wants you to be something more. Yeah. You know, God loves us too much to let us just be who we are. Right. So that's from the very beginning. We would tell them this is confidential. Everything that happens and, and spoken here stays here. So there's safety in that. And this is how you know that they have a yearning heart and a teachable heart is them saying to us, can you tell me 
when I'm at the wrong, like if I'm like messing up, if I'm keep on sinning, if I'm like bulldozing through stuff, tell me, call me out on it. And vice versa, we would ask and, them, give us, give them our authority, please do the same thing to us. Yeah. yeah. As you're laying out those expectations, how did you explain how discipleship is a different kind of relationship than anything else? I think what we did was, you know, they all are very sociable people, and so they have friends, and also they're in the youth fellowship, so they know. So we would tell them that it doesn't look like those relationships. First of all, you are our brothers and sisters in here, and, and the things that we're going to talk about is going to be digging much deeper and deeper layers. And the things you may feel uncomfortable to share with your friends, your buddies, or even your family, I hope you feel comfortable to share here. You know, we one of the things we kept on talking about was eschatology, like the ends of time and, mm-hmm. and election and really hard stuff yeah. from the Bible mm-hmm. that oftentimes would be like opening a can of worms in, in Bible study, you right. know. But this is where things happen. And if we can't get to the bottom yeah. of it, next time we'll meet, we continue to talk about that stuff. Everything's on a table for discussion. Yeah. Nothing's hidden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so we, we I don't think we began out describing the definition of relationship, what it's looked like. But but I mean very specific in details, but rather like, hey guys, see what Christ's doing to this disciple? This is what we're gonna do. So we kept it very simple and then we live it out. We live it out. They see that, how Christ interacts with his disciple. We likewise, they see it, the innocent out of us. And But the most important thing as we lead them is that they need to trust Jesus. Mm-hmm. They need to depend on him. They need to know that his love for them has been covered by his blood. Mm. So they have that freedom to be transparent and open, knowing that God forgives you, yeah. always. Yeah. That's the, the, the gift that God's given you. Yes. So they have that that freedom to be open and share, not know that they're not being judged at, but rather being loved. Yeah. Uh, rather be and they experience the forgiveness of Christ and there's a lot of cries, joyful cries, you know, tears. And yeah, many thing many things like that. And that's a beautiful thing about the relationship with them is that Christ wants you to be in his shoes. And Christ wants you to walk with them and, and reflect Him so that they will hunger and desire more of Christ. Because the only person who can transform them is not me, but the Lord Himself. Right. Yeah. How long did you stay with that original discipleship group? I would say about three years so physically. A, a bit less than three, but like almost three years with them. Because uh, after that we went to seminary. However, here's the next thing. The discipleship mentorship journey doesn't end. Whether we oversee, um, they are still in America, and that's what happened. When, when we were in seminary, we still stay in touch as strong as we can. When we were in Cambodia, we still stay in touch. Uh, recently, this past month in June, we had uh, our second or third reunion with a few of them. Wow. Um, and still, up to today, we still have, like, how, how, how many of them are married? One, two, three. Anyway, those <laughs> who are married, we still stay in touch. And, and within that married couples, we are doing, guess what, postmarital counseling. Wow. So so out of the seven, there are five of them are married. So four have children, one couple is expecting, one will be engaged soon. He already told us he'll propose soon. Aww. And then a young uh, lady who's single. And what's amazing is, you know, before we left to seminary, I actually met with the four ladies we had a sleepover, and I had asked them if they value this relationship, and they've grown to really look at me as a sister. And so I asked them 
if you could, if you would, before you get serious with anybody, you know, if you're just eyeing someone, let me know. And I can pray for you specifically with that. But also, sometimes it's good. To, actually, I think it's a good idea to have someone else see that significant other. And, and they all did, all except one. But <laughs> yeah, so it's just amazing that they, they still call us anytime and every time because we said, you know, our lines always open. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. How do you know your limits? So you started with seven. And maybe you can talk a little bit about how many you each mentor now, but how do you know how many and how, like, there's a lot of pouring out that's going on. So how do you know, like, how to fill up, how much to fill up, and how does all of that work for you two, at least? So for me right now, I have about seven, seven men. Few are married and the others are still single. So my limit, for for example, a few weeks ago, I I, I was at Yale Pro and um, I got a chance to talk to a few men. And there was this one young man who's not being discipled well or who's not being mentored. So I asked him, would you like to be mentor? And I told him, I, I know a few people who can mentor you. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, I, I know my limit. And, and of course, he, he said yes right away. And then I was thinking over the week, who can uh, disciple mentor this, this person? Because this person loves the Lord, thirsts for the Lord. And so, you know, who is a good person? Who is strong and, and mature? And then, of course, you need to know, can, can the others have time? And, and they also have limit as well. So then uh, I, I know someone who is part of a pack team, praying care team. So I reach out to him and he said, yep, yeah, definitely. I'd love to. So then uh, we set up a meeting and they met two Sundays ago. And my purpose, I shared to both of them, is that once in a while, basically I'm going to be the liaison. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, whether I'm going to be in Cambodia, I'm going to check in on both of you. So you, you need to know your limit because, to be honest with you, there are a lot of young men and young women who thirst for mentorships, who thirst for discipleship, but who are available to do for them. And I am not um, their savior. I'm not, you know, the Christ, what's that word? You know, Christ, savior. Savior complex. Syndrome complex. <laughs> Sorry. You were close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the temptation is you want to to help them. Right? right, right. And that's the scary part. It's like, I have all the responsibility. I'm a father. I'm a, a husband. That's ministry. But also I need my Sabbath. I need my rest. Mm-hmm. So if I don't model that, uh, if I don't live that out, how, how can I share that to them? So for me, what I just shared to you, uh, Monica, is is, is, is is a journey of failures. <laughs> yes, I bet. My mentors in my life has been telling me, you need to s- say no. Mm-hmm. That's a hard lesson. It's not easy to apply right away. It's a process. And I'm learning to say no, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and you need to learn your limit. You need to be the steward of God's time. Mm-hmm. And especially if you have someone either you marry if you're not married make sure you have a mentor above you who's speaking to your life hey am i doing too much and looking back when i was young young christian i i wish i had people would would, would have spoken directly maybe stern and strong to me because I'm, I'm that type of person who will listen and hear to someone who is strong and stern know your limit know when to say no and be discerned about that yeah definitely i i would agree with that because i did find I was stretching it as well. So when you ask how many currently, uh, it's kind of hard to say, but 
one of the things, uh, so I have 13 around, but that's not a consistent, I meet with some, all of 13 mm -hmm. young ladies every week or even every mm -hmm. month. Some okay. I only meet twice a year and some are sort of on a need to basis. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I still consider, why I consider them as still my mentee is because they would say I'm their mentor. Okay. So that would only be the reason. Right. Um, there are other relationships that were close and things like that, but because they don't call me their mentor, I wouldn't put that in that category. But certainly right now, there are like three active, more regular um, mentees that I meet with. Mm -hmm. And so I would say you need to ask the Lord to show you what is your limit. Mm -hmm. Because if your Sabbath is crept in, if your time with your family, with the things that God has called you to ministry-wise or even work or, or anything, and you're stretched too thin, to be honest, you, wouldn't, you are really not going to be uh, helpful to your mentees. In a sense, I've, I would say I, I would be cheating them mm -hmm. because I would give them leftovers, you know. So I just wanted to add in that is some of them I meet face-to-face. -face. Some of them is online you know, mm -hmm. and a phone call. Mm -hmm. So it's so, don't be limited to just having to do it one specific way. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Because everybody's different. So you're going to approach it different for every person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It seems to me like what you're saying about knowing your limits really is highlighting the importance of the multiplication aspect of discipleship. Mm. Because if we don't have lots of other people who are saying, yeah, like I want to do this, then who are we going to point those people to when we know that we've reached our max? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So would you agree with that? Are there other reasons why multiplication is important? So remember when Jesus uh, multiplied the bread and the fish and yes. fed the 5,000 and so on? Yes. It began with a young boy. He didn't realize that God can do that. Right. He just came and I want to see this. Jesus that he, you know, maybe someone took him with him, maybe his mom, and he had this, you know, pieces of bread and two loaves of, of, of fish. And that's that's what Christ want, want us to, to do is, you need to trust me. Remember, you cannot feed the 5,000, but I'm the one who will. So that's, that's the lesson I'm still learning, mm -hmm. but also the lesson uh, somehow I want to pass to others that please become a discipler, please become a mentor especially those who are growing in the church, they need to do that because there's many believers and non-believers who, who need this, that mm -hmm. God will use you to be an effective part in His kingdom. So so with that, going back to that picture, is that God just multiply. And the mystery through that is that basically is, this is all that I have. It's, it's how you're going to do it, but not, not what I can do, but what you can do. So that's, that's not only the mystery, but how you live that out as, like for me as a mentor, is like, God, I have committed sin because I am trusting in my own self. And, and therefore, there's a limit, and therefore, the, the, the multiplication is not being birthed. Have you seen multiplication in those that you've mentored? Yes. There's a couple with four children. So they are mentoring their children. Okay. Understandably so. Yeah. She's homeschooling her kids and uh, he's intentionally spent time with them and being um, the priesthood of the household. And then one uh, young lady who's probably going to be proposed soon, she's 
mentoring at least two other people. Wow. And she's being mentored by someone local in her church. Okay. So I just wanted to touch in with that. We mentor, I mentor, but I always am asking and thinking, you know, who else can be not like replace me, but I'm going to go to Cambodia, right. you know, so right. I would ask them be always looking for asking God, are there other ladies here locally that I can seek out to mentor me? So back to the discipleship group, another young lady who's single, she's having intentional conversation uh, and Bible study with a friend of hers. Now, she's not sure if, you know, the faith where she's at, her friend is at, but, you know, that's multiplication there. Yes. And the others who are praying for opportunities, actively seeking out mentees. So it's important, and not just because it's been a while and things like that, but how do you learn more until you actually practice it? Right. You know, practicing it is sort of the result or, or of what you have learned. It's really, really important that we encourage them to seek out others too. I can't stress this enough to everyone who is hearing that there are, I've encountered so many times young ladies saying, wow, I wish I knew this earlier or wow this exists, you know? And why is that? Why are we saying that when it's in the Bible? Right. It's glaring us right in our faces, you know? Invest in the next generation. Invest in people, whether it's your children, whether it's your grandkids, whether it's your niece, nephew, or a friend next door, you know? Anybody who is, you've gone a few steps ahead of them. Pour Mm -hmm. into them. As for me, right now, there's only one uh, man who's doing it. He's married, uh, his wife expecting. So he's doing that. He's seeking to see who he can mentor. The beautiful thing about him and a few others that they're looking for opportunities to share and witness Christ, mm. either through actions or through words. So so that's beautiful. You you need to have that. Why aren't the other guys doing it? Because of, of where they are at uh, in their walk with the Lord, maturity. So I can understand why they're not there yet. But also for me as their mentor or disciple is that I'm keeping asking the question, when do I bring this up to them? Mm-hmm. You know, when, when is it appropriate? When, when is for them, it's, 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 it's good just to start. You know, you don't have to be the master of, of doing this. There has to be a point in your journey that you need to, to do this. You know, why, let's, let's go back, is that Christ is Christ's commands for every one of us. And of course, begins within the church first. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to just mention also, as we're discipling this group, I can't stress enough that we have, we've always asked them and reminded them that Jesus is their discipler, to look to Him and not us. And I've said this, and they can, if they were here, they would know this line. You know, we are going to disappoint you. We are bound to make mistakes. Don't ever put us on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. That is not where we belong. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the one that has authority. He's the one that gives us Holy Spirit in each of them, and the Spirit will teach them. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I love the scripture of the vine and the branches. And I think that's one of the things Peter has preached to to them several times, actually, kept on going back to it, is abide in Him. Again, we're, we're emphasizing this, the, the importance of discipleship and mentorship, but Jesus is the discipler, and that's why in our mentorship, we point them to Him. This relationship as, as the mentor or the discipler who's leading this must always remember that Christ is the center of this person. Your responsibility is to point your mentee or your disciple to Him, always. 
So let's say when you come and just have coffee and have a conversation, but there's there's no spiritual talk, there's no prayer, there's no need. How how, how can I come to the Lord for you? Then 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 becomes nothing. So always be mindful and be intentional in and also you will make mistakes in the beginning, and that's fine. And and only mistake you will forget about that uh, once in a while, and that's that's fine. But it's not fine in a way that you need to re-examine, re-evaluate. That, oh God, I forgot to point that to them, to you, and whatever that that they they going through this week that I totally forgot. So you know, put 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 a check mark in a way like let's do this next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my final question for you is: How have you seen God's faithfulness, and how have you grown? through discipleship? For me, the first thing is he is so amazing, so big that the situations that in this relationship, discipleship, there's a lot of stories, a lot of issues, a lot of problems that God can only solve this. And and only that, God is sovereign in this. Because you'll be facing, you'll be challenged your theology, your doctrine, and you must know God and trust His Word, and He is so faithful in that I'm sovereign, I'm in control of, of this situation. So it help anchor you when when they bring things onto your place that like unexpected, like, whoa. So that's one. The second thing is, is the joy, the joy of, of being asked to serve them. And that joy, not even reflect then, reflect now, but I, I can see in the future, you know, God allows to still have this relationship with many of them. And praise God that they are growing and bearing fruit for His kingdom. Not because of us, but we just, you know, just like a, a bystander, just watch God, what God is doing in our lives. And praise God, you know, for, for that. And because of that, we keep ourselves under Him. And like, God, help us to be available to you and, and wherever, wherever we will be. So, for example, during the two years back here in the U.S., we kept ourselves available, and God just brought individuals into our lives, and and now we're seeing, you know, God is at work in them, and 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 will be, you know. So it's such a wonderful joy, yeah, faithfulness, joy, sovereignty, amazing, yeah. Yeah, you know the the saying, um, people change people. Yes. In discipleship, this type of relationship, in this closeness and even vulnerability and transparency, God uses others to mentor you and then to teach you and challenge you, right? And then you understand a bit more, Jesus, He is the perfect teacher. He's the only perfect discipler. But He shows that so graciously in His patience through this relationship. You know, the mentor being patient to me and and then me being patient to others, more Mm -hmm. gentle, more gracious. I have a lot, (laughs) a lot of growing areas where I can grow Absolutely. and and likewise that understanding that God brings to my mind helps me understand too that my mentee also yeah. has areas to grow right but in all of that God shows his faithfulness you know in these relationships and that he is the one he's the one who started each of these relationships so he would be the one who guided he would be the one who directed and carry us through in mm. these and he's also the one who can help us. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Peter mentioned there are moments where you're like, and I can recall so many moments I'm like, oh, I don't know mm-hmm. how to respond to this. <laughs> help me, Spirit, to, mm-hmm. you know, clarity. And, and, and the honesty it is when I don't know, I tell them I don't mm-hmm. know. Let's come to the Lord and seek Him. I have two biblical illustrations and it's been helpful for me and, and will be continuing on. You know, when, um, 
when Moses was in the desert with the Israelites, and then uh, there's this young boy, uh, mom is an Israelite, father is Egyptian, and he blasphemed God's name. The community came to Moses like, Moses, what must we do? Moses didn't have the answer. Like, let's, I'm going to go to the Lord and seek what his will is. So that, that thing is basically showing that Moses is learning. He doesn't have the answer. Mm-hmm. He needs to seek the Lord for the answer. And of course, God gave him the answer, and then the community knew what they have to do next. The other is like the relationship of Paul and Titus, Paul and Timothy. You know, let's, let's, let's go to Titus. Maybe Titus wrote back to Paul, Paul, I have this situation in my church. What must I do? Or Timothy, likewise. And I believe that Paul would go to the Lord first. You know, of course, there are things that he wouldn't know. Or, you know, looking back at his experience, what the Spirit of God and, and Jesus working in Paul's life, with that experience, he would pour in because with, without the help of Christ and the Spirit of God and, of course, God himself, Paul wouldn't be able to, to, to answer and know, uh, know how unless God placed him in the crucible of ministry, the suffering of that. So, so for, for me and, and for many others in the future and now as, a, as we mentor and disciple these, these individuals, know that you don't have the answer, but Christ does. So be patient with, with, with your mentee, your disciple, when they ask you questions. Just say, I, I don't know, let, let me... I'm, I'm learning with you as well. Right. Um, yeah, that's the key. You're always going to be a disciple of Christ, meaning you're always a student of Christ. Yeah. So that's the beautiful thing, is that you don't have to know everything. Yeah. Well, thank you both for your willingness to share your journey and how you have just developed this passion for discipleship and what you've learned. And next week, we're going to continue the conversation. Sarah, you're going to be back with your mentor, Leslie, and your mentee, Megan. So we look forward to continuing that conversation. But thank you for starting us off by sharing your stories with us. We Mm -hmm. really appreciate it and look forward to, yeah, how God is going to continue to use you and all of those he's placed in your lives Mm -hmm. for his glory and his kingdom. Amen. Thank you, Monica. I'm so grateful for people like Peter and Sarah who are intentionally investing in the lives of others. They have done such a wonderful job today of pointing us back to scripture and to Jesus as he really is our model for what it looks like to be in disciple-making relationships. Peter and Sarah's discipleship story is just one of many, and next week we'll be continuing this conversation with Sarah along with her mentor, Leslie Powell, and one of her mentees, Megan Grant. They'll be joining us to share how their relationships with one another have contributed to growth in their relationships with Christ. As we continue to tell and hear stories that celebrate God's work, we want to hear your story. If you have a story that you feel the Lord is prompting you to share, you can fill out our story form at calvarychurch.org slash share a story. We would love to celebrate the work that God is doing in and around you. As always, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. We look forward to meeting you back here next week along with Sarah, Leslie, and Megan. Until then, have a great week.